0: tell you a story. Um, it, it's a story that I got from a, ma- a, a journal that a man had kept. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I love reading people's stories. I mean, I love stories anyway, but people's stories are just amazing. And this is a story that I've been reading just by looking at the man's journal. And this is a man who records that he went into St. Paul's Cathedral in an afternoon, and just sat down, but felt absolutely destroyed as a person. He had actually made some sort of commitment of faith when he was 22 years of age. Now he was 35. He was actually an ordained minister. He'd become a minister in the Church of England. He'd gone to university and been really up for his faith at university with a whole bunch of other people. And they were seen as a sort of special club almost at university. Then he went to become a missionary. And he went overseas as a missionary. And it was a disaster. It was an absolute disaster. First of all, he was almost killed as part of going out on mission. And then when he got there, things just did not work out. And it ended up with him actually running back to this country with a lawsuit pursuing him. because. There was a a young girl that he fancied, and the young girl didn't fancy him, and he refused to let her be part of church, and there was a lawsuit. He suffered from depression and disillusion for at least 10 years, and here he was sitting in St. Paul's Cathedral, a man disappointed with himself and disappointed with God. He's sitting in St. Paul's Cathedral, big, big grandeur, but then they start to sing a song. Okay, there's a choir singing a song, and it's a song called De Profundus. Beautiful music, but this man writes it wasn't the music that grabbed him. It was the words that he heard. And I want to read those words out to you, the words that this man, sitting in Paul, St. Paul's Cathedral, heard. Because he writes that they moved him To the core of his being. These words, sung out, spoke directly into his heart. Out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. Because you, O Lord, if you keep a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? but with you there is forgiveness. Therefore, you are to be worshipped. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I will put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman waits for the morning. More than the watchman waits for the morning. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love. And with him, you can be saved. He will save his people from their sins. And this man was moved to the core of his being. Because those words from the Old Testament and Old Psalm 130 allowed him to cry out in despair to God. They gave him the vehicle to cry out to this God. He writes he was profoundly moved by those words, didn't quite know what to do about them. He just knew that inside something really deep was happening. And some friends invited him to, not quite as a salubrious place afterwards, a little sort of meeting hall um, full of some non-Anglicans, which was a big deal in those days. And when he sat with all these bunch of people, they were reading out a Bible commentary, not even the Bible, a Bible commentary By a guy called Luther, so not even up to date, you know, 400 years old. And this Bible commentary was in a book called the Book of Romans, and it talks about how God forgives unreservedly. And this man writes in his journal at that moment of hearing that because of Jesus Christ and his death in the cross, that God forgives unreservedly, that moment, what he'd heard in the morning came back to him. And he realized the two things were related. And he writes in his journal, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust Christ. Christ alone for salvation. And an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sin, even mine, and saved me. that man went on to change the world. He's changed your life. He's changed my life. His name was John Wesley. The year was actually back in the 1700s. And he went on from that experience to share that the love of God and the grace of God, the fact that in the words of that psalm, but there is forgiveness with you, therefore you're to be praised. And he went and shared that with most of Britain, including Plymouth. 43, 44 times he came to Plymouth with that message. And the Methodist Church arose because he believed that to be true. Because God, with you there is forgiveness, because of Jesus. Changed his life. Now, traditionally in a sermon, you expound a passage, you show people what it means. I will not insult your intelligence. This is not a passage to sit and expound and talk about wonderful thoughts. This is a passage to live. This is a passage to shout out to God. Out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. So much of the scriptures we talk about, and we should talk about them so we understand, but to live them, to live them is everything. Knowledge is good, but it only takes you so far. It's interesting that this man, John, John Wesley, when he was going in his mission work across the States, to Georgia and the States, there were other Christians on the boat with him. He was shipwrecked, really almost lost his life in the shipwreck. And when they were clearing up after the shipwreck, there was other Christians from what's called the Moravian Church. And the Moravian Church were seen as a bit dodgy. You know, not quite, not, not quite right, not, not as, as orthodox as, um, as the good old Church of the State. And John Wesley was really impressed by them. Because even throughout the whole chaos of the journey and the shipwrecking and afterwards, these people had a joy and they had a strength and a belief in forgiveness that he knew in his heart that he, he didn't seem to have. He knew about it, but he didn't seem to have it. And it's interesting that when they got to shore, Wesley records in his journal that um, this Moravian, the, the leader of the Moravian church actually said to John Wesley, do you know Jesus Christ? And Wesley replied, remember he was an ordained minister, I know that he is the saviour of the world. And the Moravian minister said, that's true, it's good, but do you know that he saved you? And John Wesley writes, I had nothing to say. I had no words for him. This Psalm 130, Song of Ascents, you can read it, you can study it, you can think it's wonderful thoughts, you can talk about the beauty of forgiveness, but this is something to live. This is something to cry. We have a God who is not terribly respectable. And as much as anyone, anyone at all who comes to him at any stage of their life and says, forgive me, he forgives Straight off the bat. Straight off the bat. Now, I suspect that, I mean, okay, most of you are much more handsome or attractive than I am, got more hair than I am, but apart from that, we're pretty similar, I think. Just an ordinary person trying to make a living, trying to get through, look after a family, help me. I think of, in my worst moments, in the way that I have been in weeks and months, in years, and if I had to recall that stuff now and bring it up, and someone says, God forgives, my head says, yeah, but you look at it and you think, really? Is that what he does? And I'm sure there are many people here who are sitting thinking, yep, okay, I see that in the Bible. God has forgiven my sin. But in your heart, deep down, you know, yeah, but he can't forgive that. Surely he couldn't forgive that. Here we have in the Jewish Bible, the Christian Old Testament, words that just don't sound like the God of the Old Testament, if you listen to popular belief. The God of the Old Testament is someone who's got the smite button, isn't he? The person who's looking at you thinking, okay, get it wrong, get it wrong, oh, smite, got them doesn't matter how good you are, just wait for that moment where they can get you. And here we are, way back in the Old Testament. Lord, if you kept a record of sins, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you're to be praised. The God of the Old Testament, the nasty God, with you there is forgiveness. And we now know that that forgiveness came because of Jesus Christ who lived maybe 600 years after this psalm. What Wesley found that day in St. Paul's Cathedral through this psalm and through the reading of that little bit of a commentary in Romans was that his identity was not in a great student at Oxford, part of the holy club at Oxford, or a wrecked man who'd done a despicable thing to a young woman or to someone who had been ordained but lived as if Jesus didn't live or who spent most of his time depressed his identity was in none of those things his identity was in Jesus Christ that's what that psalm brought him to his identity everything that made him him really was in Jesus Christ I don't know if you've heard that before, if you've, if you've thought about it before. It's very easy to see, but very difficult to take on board. A bit like Charles Wesley, you know, do you believe in Je- you know, Jesus? Oh yeah, believe b- b- he died for the world. Yeah, but did he die for you? Um, she'll kill me for it, but I don't mind. Ellie, um, who's leading worship, came back from um, California where she was in a, a worship course at Bethel. And one of the first things we asked her was, what did you get out of it? You know, what was the biggest thing that happened? And I was waiting for, you know, well, I got to lead worship, you know, 10,000 people and all this. And the thing that she said straight away without even... Oh, she's going to kill me. (laughs) The thing she said, even without hesitation, was, I found my identity in Jesus Christ. And what's funny is that I stood and I just smiled, but inside, see John Wesley's words, John Wesley's amazing words, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust Christ, Christ alone for salvation. and assurance was given me that he has taken away my sin, even mine, and saved me. If that just penetrates your mind and heart a tiny little bit, your identity is in Jesus Christ. Now for some, some people here, that's the first time you've heard that. And you can accept that. You can do exactly what Wesley had done and come and just accept that forgiveness from Jesus. However, Wesley still claims that he became a Christian when he was 22. He's now 35. And he's writing this. The idea that someone becomes a Christian and then I am happy all the day and it's all fine. If that's your experience, brilliant, come up, take the mic and tell us about it because it's going to be great. My experience is that living as a Christian is one of the most amazing things I have ever been. And it's also been one of the most frustrating and difficult. And it's, it's, there's a struggle. And this idea of coming back, and even as a Christian, in my case, 35 years, shouting out, out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord, listen to me, please. This isn't a nice theological, dear Lord Jesus, please bless mummy, please bless daddy. This is a cry from the heart of someone who is going through it, who's disappointed with God and disappointed with themselves. And that can happen to people with faith or without faith. And in both cases, it's exactly the same. There is a God who forgives. There's a God who is always there. There's a God who he, together with his son, decided that the son would go to earth and die so that you and I could know the truth. Not just the words, but the truth. But with you, there is forgiveness. Therefore, you're to be praised. Is that the God you believe in? Because for a lot of religious people, that's not the God of the Old and New Testament. I remember sitting on a bus before I became a Christian, and there was two wee old ladies in front of me who'd been to church. Oh, and they were, oh, we call them nippy sweeties. You know, you put a sweet in your mouth and go, oh. And they were saying, aye, the world's a terrible place, and those people, those sinners. Aye. And this wee woman with a really big smile said, but don't worry, they'll all burn. (laughs) I just thought, hey, cheers, you know, that's great. It's funny that that's not the God who's in Psalm 130. It's not someone who ignores the wrong things, but someone who has dealt with them and loves to the uttermost. He is fairly unrespectable in religious circles, Jesus. God, the Father, is fairly unrespectable in some religious circles because he goes so much farther than any of us. And that didn't just start 2,000 years ago. That has been there as part of God since the beginning and before. Our God is gracious. And we can cry to him and he will turn up. Takes me to the second part. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits. And in his word I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman waits for the morning. I've said that, and many people here, and I'll do it myself, in your mind you say, that's true, that's absolutely true. But deep down, you look at what's going on in your life, even just now, and you may be in the midst of those depths. You might be in the real middle of the disappointment with God and disappointment with yourself. Most of us are quite good at, at hiding it. We can tell the church people what they need to hear, tell our friends what they need to hear, because successful Christians are, you know, we need them, don't we? People who are successful in life. Out of the depths, I cry. And I suspect many of us, at some time, have had in our hearts the feeling that I believe that, but Lord, what's going on just now is just too hard. Lord, what's been going on just now for the last week and a half is too hard for me. I cry out to you. Where are you? Lord, what's been going on for the last 10 years? This is too hard. This is too hard. I can't see this. Lord, I cry out to you. Lord, this has been on for 30 years. Where are you? I'm crying it out to you. Some of us tell others. Some of us keep it deep within because we don't want our God to look bad. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman waits for the morning. A very good friend of mine who was an Afghan, um, he was dropped by helicopter, supposedly near his home troop in enemy territory. Unfortunately, the navigator got it wrong and put him and a bunch of supplies in the middle of the night into the middle of enemy territory. And he knew it from the moment he was there. And he spent the whole night waiting, hoping that maybe the navigator would realize he got it wrong and would come back for him. And he spent an entire night of darkness. And he said he could hear Taliban voices and he could hear sort of noises all round about him. And he lay in the dark, waiting for someone to come and get him through the whole night. Wait for the dawn more than that man waited for the dawn. Look for your salvation, Lord, more than that man waited for the dawn. Why did I tell you that story? One, because it's true, and it is an example of hope. He was fairly fortunate the helicopter did come back and pick him up. But there was always a, will they come back for me? you're lying in the dark, seemingly in the dark. There are enemy voices all around about you. Things do not look great. And you think, is there anyone coming? That was the case for him. It may well be the case for some people here today. Lying seemingly in the dark. You may have a faith. You may not have a faith. Lying in the dark, wondering, will someone come if I cry? This Psalm 120 tells you the answer to that. We have a God who turns up. It's a hard thing to say when you think of what people go through. We have a God who turns up. It might seem to take a long time in the same way as that fellow lying in the darkness waiting for a helicopter to come back. It must have seemed like an eternity. And in our lives... It can seem like a long time. But the God who forgives is also the God who comes to us. That's what we believe. Easy with the lips, much more difficult from the heart, but it's true. So wherever you are this morning, this Psalm 120 is your prayer for the stuff that's going on in your life. Lord, I cry to you. Listen to me. This isn't a theological treatise. This is a child shouting to their father. A father who forgives because of Jesus. And a father who will always, always turn up. Even though the waiting might seem interminable. That was the God of John Wesley. That was the father who was worshipped by Jesus on earth. A father who turns up and is good to his children, a father who forgives? Do you have a right picture of God? Because once you catch on to the fact that he has forgiven and will forgive anyone who comes to him, that's amazing. And no matter where you are in your life right at this moment in time, if you cry to him, He will come. It's not your Hollywood movie straight away, very often. Sometimes it is. It takes huge patience. The guy with the helicopter, he hoped the helicopter would come back. There the word hope means, oh for goodness sake, I hope it comes back. In the Bible, in God's words, the word hope is not like that. It's not, oh I really hope this will happen. Hope is something that you're sure of. God has not forgotten you, whoever you are, and he will come back for you. You've got Psalm 120. Out of the depth I cry to you, O Lord. And if this is all unknown to you and you just think, goodness, I don't even, this is new to me. I did not even know about Jesus. You can come to Jesus and you can cry out to him. And that forgiveness that the psalmist talks about, the, the forgiveness that John Wesley experienced That's available to you as well. Does the enormity and the beauty of that sink in? Because if it doesn't, ask God to open your heart and let it sink in. We are talking about the most amazing thing ever. The early Christians called it good news. A lot of religious people have lost the idea of good news. It's now pretty bad news with a wee bit of good at the end. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is a God who is for you. He is for you, and he's for you, and he's for you. That's it. He is for you. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, and he is able to forgive, and he is for you, and he's for you, and he's for you, and he will turn up. That's the God that we say we believe in, in the congregation that meets here. Is that the God that you experience day by day? Because he's there, and he's real. And what I want us to do now, I mean, I've deliberately not preached for an hour and a half, um, is because I, I, I want us to have a little bit of time just to reflect on that. One of the beauties of reading Wesley's, Wesley's journal is that he was able just to sit in St. Paul's and just allow God to minister to him. By minister to him, what do I mean by that? He meant he opened up a little bit to God. It's almost as if with his hands he said, come, come God, out of my depth, out of the depths of despair, I cry to you. He used that psalm and God came to him. And we wanted to spend the next 15 minutes allowing God to come to us individually. Um, there's a great verse that's just come to mind. It says, if you hear my voice today, says the Lord, do not harden your heart to me. And I would appeal to you just now, if you hear my voice, if you're hearing God's voice rather than just a little baldy fat Scotsman at the front talking, if you hear God's voice in this, do not harden your heart, but turn to me. So, Ellie, if you can, if you can take us through just some um, some, some some worship, some some prayers. You're welcome to sit, to stand. There, there is no protocol. It doesn't tell you in the Bible you have to stand or sit in, in church. Um, the only thing it says is. Don't harden your heart. If you're hearing God speak, don't harden your heart. That's the main thing. Ellie.
1: How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond the measure that he should give his only son to make a wretched treasure. bring no bumps.
0: Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, please hear my voice. Please listen to me. Listen to my cry for mercy. If you, O Lord, kept a record of all my sins, I couldn't stand in front of you. But with you there is forgiveness. Therefore you are to be praised. I will wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word I put my hope Oh, my soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman waits for the morning, more than the watchman waits for the morning. Oh, Mutley Church, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him you can be saved. He himself saves people from their sins. Thank you, Almighty God, to your word for us. Bless us as we go to love and to serve. And Father, if there are anyone in this room at all who doesn't know you, please, I would pray even just now that you would let them see Jesus in his glory, that you would let them see Jesus dying for them, and that they would meet Jesus for the first time. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being in our whole service. Thank you that you're the God of all things, not just
1: the religious bits. Thank you. Amen.